show we are going to do a wednesday wrap-up a new feature on this podcast locked on guardians where i'm your host jeff ellis formerly of scout formerly of 24 7 all of locked on now uh, i was the lead draft and prospect analyst which means my heart is always a little bit with the college game and the draft in general and with everything going on uh, with the lockout it seems a perfect time to devote a weekly part of each episode to talk about just what happened over the weekend I did a bit of a preview on Friday, so of course we'll get into that Oklahoma State matchup. We'll get into some other players who popped for me. Uh, So there will be that and more. So make sure to tune in for all of it. And before we jump into our opening, I want to thank you for making Lockdown Guardians your first listen, free and available every day, wherever it is that you get podcasts. Locked On Guardians, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And now let's dive into it. Where to start? I have a bunch of things open, and of course I realized I opened up all of my data and then opened up the Oklahoma State uh, website that I wanted to go to. And we'll start there. You have my other top performers, interesting games. I have that all set up across the top here. But I do not not open Oklahoma State. Now, if you listen to that podcast uh, on Friday, where I was like, let's focus on Oklahoma State. Like, Vanderbilt is an institution. They're one of the consistently top teams in the country. But I'm more intrigued to watch Oklahoma State than Vanderbilt. And you got to see it. Now, not every player I mentioned performed super well. Not every player I mentioned uh, even played. Mitchell Stone, the big uh, lefty, did not pitch once over this past week for or well in this matchup for Oklahoma State versus Vandy. And one of the players I focused on, you know, rather hugely was Justin Campbell because he very much fits the Guardians draft profile. When you look at his strikeout and walk rate and what they did a year ago, and probably not with that first round pick, but in that second, that third round, like Justin Campbell seemed like a a candidate for them. Uh, he came out, only pitched four innings, allowed three runs on three walks, four hits. He had two wild pitches. He did strike out eight. It was a little bit of, for a guy who's shown excellent control, it was an uncharacteristic game for him. And I don't know if it's, you know, first game jitters, anything like that. We'll have to see uh, how it goes for him throughout the season. Um, you know, we talked about McLean, and I talked about Griffin Dorshing, the, uh, the kid from my neck of the woods who is the, the first baseman slash DH for them. And Dorshing had a, a really good weekend. Uh, you know, And I had forgotten that like uh, Rock Reggio ended up going to Oklahoma State. For those who don't uh, pay attention to the draft, super in-depth. Like He is a player that the Brewers, I believe, took in the 11th round. Most players who were taking the 11th round sign, that's where you go after someone like him to use that extra savings you have to try to sign someone. Uh, he decided to go back to school. This is I mean, such a good recruiting class for Oklahoma State. If, I know we didn't really get into Vandy. I thought it was interesting. Like Carter Young is their top prospect, and he was pretty far down their lineup. Dominic Keegan, the catcher, is someone to pay attention to. Spencer Jones, who's playing right field first base DH for them. I liked him more as a pitcher coming out of high school. I know he was raw as a pitcher. I would be curious if, uh, you know, and Vandy really didn't try him in that role. He's been almost exclusively uh, a batter. I mean, he's huge. So I mean, I understand the thought, but I'd be curious to see... Um, what he would do with an opportunity. Now, 
Uh, in the second game of the series, he did go four for four. Spencer Jones did with, I believe, two doubles, and he stole a base. That's not and a hit by pitch. Not what you expect to see for him. He's not exactly what one would consider. Like, I wouldn't say he's a bad athlete, but he's not necessarily a plus type of athlete. Uh, on the other side of things, you know, the local kid I talked about, Griffin Dorshing, from my neck of the woods, uh, had a pair of doubles. My, like I said, I, I'm friends with the high school coach where I teach, and he talks and coaches him. Uh, on that side of things, you know, Victor Moderna, Maderos, the big transfer, came in, and he, you know, similar for one run on four hits, four walks, uh, and a balk, and he only struck out six. We'll have to see, uh, but he is like another one of those top three round draft prospects. We talked about, and then the uh, the end of the series, the Sunday matchup, as it were here, where Oklahoma State uh, had Bryce Osman on the mound, and you know, very similar to the rest of their pitchers. But here's the exception: four hits, just one walk, did give up three earned runs, struck out eight. So similar, they didn't overtax their pitchers to start. Uh, Dorshing had a double and a home run. You know, he really stood out uh, just in terms of. Now he they moved him up and down the lineup. Uh, Nolan McLean played some outfield. A lot of people view him as a third baseman. It was an interesting weekend for him. Not the best. Uh, you know, a great weekend for Oklahoma State. You know, they won that series. After losing uh, the opener, they came back and won the next two and moved ahead in the rankings. But it's still a very interesting squad. And again, I mean, Vandy will probably still have like four to five guys get drafted. So don't sit back and think that I'm just burying them. They're still a very interesting squad. Uh, just not quite as interesting as in the past few years. So, I mean, tune in. When I'm telling you, hey, this is the team to look at, maybe there's some value in that, right? I, I sat back and uh, um, and pointed out and ended up being proven right in terms of that particular series. Uh, I do want to give a moment here and talk about my Twitter blew up a bit thanks to yesterday's podcast. Uh, if you missed it, I'm just going to go ahead and throw it out here again, that back in 2007... Uh, the Indians decided to sign Roberto Perez, not Roberto Perez, Roberto Hernandez. Roberto Perez is the catcher who just signed with the Pirates. They signed Roberto Hernandez, who was 42 years old, and that cost them their second-round pick. The Mets used that pick to take um, Scott Movell, who was out of St. Ed's. They took an Ohio kid with that pick, uh, the 13th overall pick in the second round, I want to say. The player taken one spot before was uh, Giancarlo Stanton, the player taken one spot after, Freddie Freeman. So if you missed that podcast, if you missed that tweet, that has definitely been a, you know, in terms of uh, tweets from me where I'm not, you know, following me on Twitter at JeffMLBDraft, uh, that one had uh, some definite legs. So I thought I would reshare it since people found that uh, really, you know, Indians fans and Met fans both took a lot of uh, sadness from that particular tweet. So I thought I would go ahead and reshare it out here. We're going to take our first break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about two pitchers and a hitter that particularly stood out. If I was doing my old uh, full count trends, as I called it, back when I was a writer at Scout 24-7, where I would do you know three positives, two negatives, the three positives uh, would be these three players, and I'm going to talk about in the second and third segments. The two negatives, well, one of those two negatives is also going to come up in this piece, and then um, probably Justin Campbell would have honestly been my second negative, just based on the show because of him wanting to take that step forward, him being the ace, and then him being uncharacteristically wild. So come back for segment two and you know and three and find out some more names to know for the 2022 MLB draft. 
So I always throw out the copy when it comes to this first sponsor, which is BuiltBar.com. It's because it is a product I use. Now today, I'm going to be honest, today's the rare day. I didn't actually have a Built Bar. Uh, we had a bit of a an wintry mix up here and school was closed. So I did not have my traditional lunch of Built Bar, which helps give me the energy and fills me up to get me through the day. I love Built Bar. I am a constant shopper, buyer. From the minute they became our sponsor and they sent us a trial box, they have been my go-to. And I'm probably going to place an, on, uh, an order because Toffee Almond is back. Toffee Almond was the greatest flavor in the first generation of Built Bar. The second generation is still good. It is not quite what I just remember being totally in love with Toffee Almond the first time around. It is a solid flavor. I'm probably going to do Toffee Almond and Churro, but I'm also going to be tempted because here's the trick of it all. Caramel Almond Delight, I liked. I just finished off my box of that. Eggnog, I always like eggnog flavors, and those are both on sale. So if you go to BuiltBar.com today, use the promo code LOCKED15, you save 15%. If one of those flavors I mentioned at the end there sound good to you, well, you get their sale price plus 15% savings on top. What's not to like about that? And right now, their limited releases are about as big as I've seen. So it is a perfect time to go and try at BuiltBar.com. It is just delicious. It is fantastic. And my health food app gives it an A when I put it in the phone. So I don't have to feel bad about eating it, even though it's covered in chocolate and tastes delicious. Go to BuiltBar.com. Try it out for yourself. Remember that promo code's LOCKED15. And hey, if you're like me and you keep uh, buying from them, you'll build up those Built Bucks and save in even more ways. BuiltBar.com, promo LOCKED15. So if you're watching the YouTube, uh, one you'll notice uh it's a little bit earlier in the day you can see the light kind of in the back corner of this broadcast snow day where i am so yes i'm not teaching two my hands might jump into the screen uh you know if you're curious yes that is nail polish i have a four-year-old daughter uh i'm going to let her paint my nails if she wants to sorry if that uh, offends you but uh, i was noticing as at one point when i looked up i'm like oh my hand flashed across the screen someone's gonna be like why what so i just thought i'd address those elephants in the room if you're watching the youtube video uh, if you are, thank you. If you are not, uh, s- please subscribe. I'm not saying you have to necessarily watch me on there. Whatever works for you is the best way to get your podcast. Most podcasts I listen to, I just listen to them, but I also subscribe to support. And in the case of Locked On Guardians being a smaller podcast, every single subscription helps so much. So if you can just click the subscribe button, uh, thank you. I mean, what is the old thing like click, like, and subscribe? <laughs> I, you know, I subscribe is enough. We just want to get up to enough where we could, you know, it can help the show grow. You know, we can help Mont. I'm not going to try to say the word because we know about my pronunciation issues. Uh, we can find extra streams to get the show and do more with the show, maybe get better video quality and all that fun stuff. So that is my pledge here at the start to try to get you to jump in and go subscribe. If you're listening, thank you for listening. Uh, I mentioned it on the show earlier in the week but we got back in the top 100 a strong week from the lockdown guardians family slash team so let's should we go bats then pitchers i think that's the way to go let's go with bats so nc state faced evansville now yes evansville is not a big program uh should i i'm gonna i'm gonna pause the recording and let you know the players from evansville who have uh, been drafted oh i didn't hit the pause well it may not be a, a top tier program we we all have to admit though purple aces is a pretty awesome nickname so in terms of the draft uh they did have a player taken in 2019 and 2017 uh 2019 was adam lucas from grafton wisconsin uh my neck of the woods nowadays Kyle freeland was the recent high pick the pitcher from the university of well from the university of evansville i'm sorry plays for colorado uh recent indian eric stametz went there like they're a solid you know non-group of five 
baseball program. Like, I also don't want to run him right down. Jamie Carroll, there we go. Another tie to, uh, and I think Andy Bennis was the first overall pick out of there back in 1988. So there's been a lot of players. They've had nine major leaguers, 48 players drafted. Uh, and again, Purple Aces is a pretty awesome name, but it is not. Uh, when you look at the production that occurred this past weekend for Tommy Hunter, who we're going to talk about here, people will say, well, he faced Evansville. And I get that, but you also can't look past what he did as a true freshman. Uh, it was I went to pull up his perfect game profile, and you know he is a player that you're looking at this. He was the first-rated third baseman uh, in their national rankings, 18th overall high school player in the state of Florida. He was the first third baseman, second overall Florida State ranking from St. Pete uh, Beach. I you know I vaguely remembered him, like I had seen some things just because the power was uh, was there. They list him here at 61220. I read an article from NC State that had him at uh, 61240. So I, I don't know what is the exact one. Let's looking up his exact listed weight. I'm not gonna sit here and go through. But yeah, they have him at six feet two forty two. So that is that is a pretty significant difference from what he was listed at a year ago. I don't know if he added even more muscle he's a big dude like he is kind of a he is going to be a um he's going to be well loved this is going to be kind of like seth beer to a degree all over again he's got the beard he's got the flow not that seth beer necessarily had those things but he is a big freshman uh who's going to ignite imaginations like this is a player who you should get to know because he's not going to go away and in three games against evansville he had 14 at bats he had nine hits Five home runs, two walks. That's right. I'm going to say that again. He had 14 at-bats, 16 plate appearances, and five home runs over those three games. 24 total bases. His current slash line, 643, 688, uh, 1.714. That's his slugging. That is not his OPS. His OPS would be uh, almost 2.4. So, yeah, it's three games. It's small sample size. Uh, it is not facing, you know, ACC baseball, but it when you have that type of a weekend as a true freshman, yes, the other side of it is you say that, uh, how where can he go? Like, is this going to be a situation for him going forward, and where he just can't? Uh, people are going to see that, and everything he does is a bit of a disappointment afterwards. I I do understand that thought, but I also think. We'll have to see what he can do. Like going back to that perfect game profile, I mean, they talk, like, perfect game is very high on him. And again, I trust Brian Sikowski and everyone else there. And you look at his data, his exit velocity was 99.57 percentile, his max of barrel speed, 98.34, impact momentum, 98.54, max acceleration of his bat, 97.82. He could hit. Now, his, you know, his reaction, his shuttle, was 4.27 percentile like he was a third baseman but he was you know they're playing him first in nc state and that's probably gonna be his home uh you know his arm wasn't bad his you know his 60 yard split his 60 yard was at 38.67 percentile he isn't that type of athlete but he mashes he absolutely mashes all the other stuff shows power i mean everyone talks about the power going back to it that you know at the p at the perfect game events and what he had shown off so yeah, the power isn't a surprise. He's a big dude. He is going to be a name to know because he is going to he's going to become a face of college baseball. Like you can already state that with his what he has done, what he kind of has in place. He's folk hero was the word I was kind of looking for earlier. I can think of. He has everything set up to be a folk hero. 
Uh, it was when I, you know, it's early in the season, but I still, I click on the stats and I go and I look who has put up stats in the early going, who are some names that are kind of interesting to look at, understanding that there's a lot of guys who start very slow and then are great. And there's a lot of guys who are on fire out of the gate who it doesn't keep going that way. And again, he's a true freshman, so we're not even looking at him until the, what, 2024 draft, even if he continues to hit in first baseman, which is probably where he's going to end up with, without you know, with a low athletic profile, I, it's an uphill battle to be a high pick. I mean, Spencer Torkelson, yes, he was a first baseman, but his athletic profile that, you know, he could try third, he could try outfield, he could try some other spots. Uh, I don't know if that's necessarily going to be the case. We'll have to see, but it was quite a weekend for Tommy White and he is going to be someone that I'm going to tune in for. Like if, if you can, uh, catch some NC state games, you definitely want to take advantage of those opportunities to see him play. Cause, uh, again, if nothing else, this is the beginning of a folk hero beginning for the next three years of college baseball. We're going to take our next break here. We're going to come back and talk about the two pitchers who stood out. Uh, we'll also get to hear me harp about pitcher wins and losses. But first, another quick commercial break. Football might be over for this season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. For all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where to find the next fired coach is going to land, betonline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. Bet online remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, UFC odds, right to your favorite Olympic coverage and information. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. I again want to take that moment and thank you for making Locked on Guardians your first listen today and every day. Wherever it is you get podcasts, be it apps, Spotify, uh iTunes, we're there, and I also really want to appreciate everyone who takes a moment to uh, to download daily. That's huge, and everyone who leaves a review. We're three away from 100 in iTunes, so close. Come on, help us out. Let's get that past that top 100 or get those 100 reviews in. Uh, on top of that, you know, I want to remind you to check out the MLB Prospects pod- pa- podcast, now hosted by Lindsay over there. He and I have uh, had some back and forth. At some point, I got to sit down and figure out when it is that. Uh, we can sit down, talk some baseball and the like in terms of prospects. So I got, let's start with uh, Florida State. Let's start with the the matchup there. Uh, no, actually, let's start with um, Mississippi State. I did it wrong. Mississippi State versus Long Beach State was the other big matchup this past weekend in terms of ranked programs. We already talked about Oklahoma State versus Vandy. Uh, Long Beach State was like 24th, and I don't remember exactly where Mississippi State was. Uh, much like the other one, the underdog was the winner in this one. Uh, Long Beach took game one and two in the series before Mississippi State came back and took the third game. Now, the big one for me to see in this, uh, you know, they have Logan Tanner, who we talked about as a potential first-round catcher on Mississippi State. You know, Luke Hancock has had the off the field issue, but he's been highly productive as a hitter value it how you want to, you will at this point. And then the big guy there, that was Landon Sims, the closer turned into a starter and pitcher wins are so dumb. Landon Sims got a loss. Okay. He lost this game. Uh, he went seven innings. He faced 25 batters and he struck out 13 of them. He didn't walk anyone. He allowed five hits and one earned run. Now his team didn't get any runs across. So he loses. Uh, it's It was one of the best performances all weekend. Only 81 pitches to get through seven innings. 
13 strikeouts. Uh, it was a strong performance from a player who's trying to prove that he is a starter and can be a starter going forward. Uh, the loss is just silly and doesn't really matter, but for Sims to go out and strike out 13, I mean, most pitchers only win five innings, and I am okay with him going seven when it's only 81 pitches. That's a efficient seven innings. Uh, good on him. No walks. He's got the pick, pitch mix that if you just say to reliever, you probably would have gone around two or three. Uh, it is absolutely the right call to let him show that he can be a starter. And he came out firing quite a performance by him. You know, Mississippi State is always loaded, but he is the player to watch for them when you tune in for Friday games. On the other side of things, now we're going to talk about Florida State versus James Madison. This is interesting for multiple reasons. Uh, we're going to get our one up and a one down in this series. First, let's start off with the positive. Uh, the Saturday game was, I believe Bryce was the one that, yeah, Bryce Hubart pitched in, who we've talked about. Now, he is actually not their Friday starter. That is um, uh, Parker Messier, who uh, was another, like, known, like, he was a bigger name out of high school. Uh, like, let's just be honest. He was the bigger name. I remember him. I wasn't particularly, it's not that I was low, but he was just not someone. Sometimes you get into the thing where there's just so many players to cover, and you just kind of go, or Parker Messier, Parker Messick. Oof. You know, he was just one of those players who was a, a interesting high school lefty, um, you know, plant high school from that uh, factory of players. And, uh, you know, he's a good player. He, he has a, a chance to be, I'm trying to remember if he was drafted out of uh, high school or not. He'll get drafted. He is good. But after what happened in terms of, uh, you know, with Bryce Hubart, uh in the Cape Cod League. And again, let's just go back and talk about the fact that the recent track record of players who have led the Cape Cod League in strikeouts has been highly successful. Like those players have all seen their stock go up as as draft eligible prospects. They have all seen their, uh, you know, have a strong junior, you know, draft year. They've been very good. And for him, all he did in that start on Saturday was face 17 batters and strike out 13 of them in five innings. Now he was 75 innings or 75 pitches for those five innings, not quite as efficient, but only two hits, no walks, uh, an utterly dominant performance. Yes. I went and looked at like who had the big strikeout weekends and cause that's important. If a player isn't missing bats in college, that is the red flag. That is why I was always the low man on Jeff Hoffman. For instance, I'll always bring that up. You go, if a player isn't missing bats at this level, it's often not going to change for them. So you want to see who's already missing bats. That was a heck of a performance out of the gate. And also gave him like some signature dominance because James Madison, you know, Chase DeLotter is a top five player universally in this class, I want to say, at least top 10 universal. And he had a rough weekend. He is the player who's down, and we'll get into that in a second. But against, you know, he went 0 for 5 with three strikeouts in this game you know Florida State's interesting man I remember when Alex Toriel was uh like a big name high school first baseman and he's now I think a senior uh at University of um at Florida State like he was at University of Miami if you type him in that's actually what pops up it threw me for a second there but yeah he's been this big strong first baseman forever who I think in one of my way too early mocks when he was a high school kid I put him at like 10th or 11th in that class uh, just because everyone liked the bat. It hasn't quite come together. He's going to be one of those, 
don't know if you can say premier senior sign. So he's going to be a really interesting senior sign uh, candidate just because he's been on the radar forever. But for, you know, for Hubart, it's kind of interesting too at Florida State to have two lefties to lead things off for them. Uh, you know, they swept James Madison in this matchup. They're going to be a, an interesting team to follow uh, in general. And, you know, the success from Florida State to the big leagues hasn't quite translated yet. There's been, you know, players here and there. It has not been a consistently dominant program, but they've had some good moments and they've had some good pitchers. Luke Weaver comes to mind. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, that was, this one was maybe more, even though Sims went longer and he was facing a better team. It was just when you face 17 batters and you strike out 13 of them, uh, that's something. And yeah, there were two hits, but that means you know your, your two other outs were the only time they put the ball in play. That's just unbelievable. That is quite a performance there uh, by him. So you know, just some players setting themselves up. Now on the other side of things, okay, if you are chased a lotter, you've been hurt or your program um, just didn't play due to COVID. I should say it wasn't necessarily injuries. It was, I believe just the COVID situation of it all. And you've barely gotten to play. You go to the Cape and you light it up. Everyone can see the physical tools and that is his coming out party. Now the problem for him is if you go look at James Madison's schedule, they currently do not face another ranked team the rest of the year. It just in terms of like power five conferences, they've got a Tuesday game against Virginia tech. Um, they've got a Wednesday game against Maryland another Tuesday Virginia Tech and a Tuesday Wednesday against Tennessee and that's it and none of those are ranked programs none of those are you know Tennessee every few years or but I mean Tennessee gets a guy drafted every year at least one typically sometimes multiple like that's a strong program but you're getting a midweek you're not getting their best starters this was really the last chance Delauder had barring you know postseason to show what he can do against top level competition and teams come back to these things, and they will come back to these things. And could he have been pressing? Absolutely. And is it the smallest of sample sizes? 100%. But when you don't have a lot of data to begin with, and almost everything in terms of his valuation, in terms of game film, is from the Cape, and he, the one time he's going to face top-shelf competition all year, he goes. He has 14 at-bats, he gets three hits, and he strikes out 18, or, hey, strikes out eight times eight times in those 14 at bats not only you know it's not that he didn't you know take the opportunity to run with it it's that he just i mean he had a miserable weekend like he was swinging through everything again there's some sign of pressing there with that but you look at the the slash line 214 average two 214 on base because he didn't walk 286 slugging 500 ops i mean on his own team you know, that's, he was the third, fourth worst hitter of any other starters. It's rough. And again, for a player who's not going to get that opportunity and has not had a lot of opportunities, it is extra rough. I don't know how, because for the, here's what's going to happen. I'll talk to someone about him. He'll rebound and I'll be like, oh yeah, you know, he's got those physical tools. Look what he's been doing all year. And I can already tell you what's going to happen. They'll be like, yeah, but who's he faced? Remember when he faced Florida State? And that, that happens. We can talk about the fact that like a few years ago, Nick Gonzalez from New Mexico, who dominated the Cape, and then you know the COVID situation happened, and his last week before everything shut down, I believe it was Texas A&M and Asa Lacey, and he got shut down for that weekend. 
And, you know, it was extra bad in this case, and one can say because there just wasn't any opportunity to prove himself, but that became the signature game for him. And he went from a guy who was, like, top three on every board to falling to, like, the eighth or ninth pick. For DeLatter, this is rough. Like, it's not something he can really overcome because he's not going to get that opportunity. So this was maybe the biggest draft impact of a top player um, for the entire weekend just because this was the one opportunity. This was the chance to show himself for a player that statistically, you know, let me go bring up his total uh, plate appearances so far in college. For his three years of school, he has 219 plate appearances. There was just uh, 77 and 128 were his first two years. 16 games, 26 games. He just didn't have those opportunities. Then you come out with your one chance to face a ranked team, and that occurs. Like, it's... You don't want to say it's going to be like, okay, now we can't go in the top five. But in a class with, you know, Elijah Green, with um, Tamar Johnson, with Drew Jones, with, you know, Jace Jung, with Jacob Bear, this is a loaded top eight. And when it is that loaded and that good, teams look for reasons not to. They're not looking as often for reasons to. They're looking for reasons not to. And, I mean, this, this one weekend is just going to keep coming up. I can tell you that. I have talked to too many scouts over the years, and we know small sample size is a thing. We know off weekends happen, but there's just something about having that important weekend and a guy not stepping up, which it's silly. And I've often thought it's silly. You know, it's, uh, I talk about Stephen uh, Duggar, who's now with the Giants, where he had a bad month or so at the start and then at the end of the year i'm like hey people look at the data he actually had his best year and he ended up falling to like the fourth round and he's i mean he's a major league outfielder but it te- people sometimes look for reasons to shade a guy because uh, there's just so many and there's so much to debate and there's so much going on and in this situation i, I mean i guess the other way to look at it is if you're a cleveland guardians fan the chances of adding chase DeLauder in the draft just got a lot better after this weekend and i know there's gonna be people uh, who are going to tell me, like, calm down, it's one set of games, but it's not. It's the only opportunity to show your talent level against top-level competition, and that's... I always hear about it. I always, always hear about such things from teams and scouts. Uh, and, you know, for a kid who's not going to turn 21 till October, who's coming from a small program, who is a plus-plus athlete, he's going to be interesting. Six of a four, two fifty. He's not going far, but this was a big weekend for him and maybe the biggest story to come out of the opening weekend of college baseball. I went a bit long. Sorry about that. Uh, I want to thank you again for listening, rating and reviewing, downloading daily, helping our show to grow. I want to thank the Lockdown Guardians family slash team for all you're doing. We had our second highest ranking in like two months on the the iTunes charts. So thank you for that. Uh, Keep doing your part. And as we end every episode now, go, go, Guardians, go.